Welcome back to another edition of Grok Talk 3.14159, the podcast without a real name. But we're going to call it that for now for a couple weeks. We'll probably come up with something really catchy like Grok Talk without the 3.14159. But we plan to bring this program to you every single week. This week, it is myself and Mr. Skip Murphy. Mike is uh, off in the Ukraine um, doing... (laughs) Ukraine, huh? He's in the Ukraine. Mike is uh, somewhere in New Hampshire having dinner, and he wasn't able to join us. So uh, we're going to move forward. We've decided on a recording time and date. We're going to stick to it. The broadcast time and date is yet to be determined, but it'll probably be the day after depending on uh, post-production and any other issues. And uh, if for some ridiculously strange reason we need to record something or we have a guest that we're recording separately, also an option, and uh, we need to knit that in. But uh, for now, you've got me and Skip for the next 60 minutes and a whole bunch of topics. And, of course, the big news today is what most people are taking as a free speech win. Um, Elon Musk has come to an agreement. He is buying Twitter outright. It will be his. He, you know, got some financing through Morgan Stanley. He has $20 bajillion of his own pouring into it. And he's buying Twitter. The board has pretty much come to an agreement. They're going to ask the shareholders to accept the agreement and sell their stock for about $54 a share. And Mr. Musk will own Twitter completely. So... There's lots of speculation about what that might mean. Um, Most of us think, you know, it should be a good thing. He has expressed a desire to open the platform up to get rid of the craziness that the liberals have injected into it over the last few years. Mr. Murphy, good day, sir. And what do you think is going to happen with Twitter? Boom! Yes, all those lefty heads are exploding all over. Let me read you one quote that basically sums this up. Um, The NAACP president, Derek Johnson, said in a statement, Mr. Musk, free speech is wonderful. Hate speech is unacceptable. That is the whole nub of the problem of why Elon Musk bought Twitter, because people don't understand what free speech is. There's nothing defined in the Constitution as to what hate speech is. Hate speech or misinformation or lies, or anything else, just seems to be more euphemisms, by the twisting of the language, of what lefties don't like to hear, and wish to silence you from saying it. Thus, that's why Elon Musk bought Twitter. Boy, are they not going to like this at all. No, they're not. And I think it's fascinating because we've written, well, we're kind of in the free speech business. It's our hobby. And so, kind of, kind of, yeah, kind of, come on, kinda, Steve. Yeah. And they all call us, you know, they all say it's hate speech because it's not their speech and we don't care. Um, because, you know, if you look at the Supreme Court so far, um, and, and I talk about this all the time whenever people bring up hate speech, the Supreme Court doesn't recognize hate speech. It, it doesn't really exist in constitutional law. There's no place for it. It's a lot like global warming. It's something the Marxists invented. And they just keep pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. But they're very good at that. And they've been indoctrinating people for years, and they're going to keep doing it until everybody believes that this thing called hate speech exists. And it may take a while, but if they aren't stopped, they will eventually have justices on the Supreme Court in the majority who will agree that things that they disagree with are hate speech. Things that they don't disagree with, no matter how hateful, are free speech. 
You know, I'm looking at this as the speech version of constitutional carry. Every single time another state passes constitutional carry, you hear the outcry from the left saying, oh, the streets will run red with blood. And campus people are the even worse. They're, they don't bother with rivers. They, they're talking tsunamis. And each and every time the state goes ahead and passes it, what happens? Like what happened here in New Hampshire? Nada. Because criminals don't care whether they're carrying with, a, uh, a, in our case, a New Hampshire pistol revolver license to conceal carry or not. They don't care if they're open carry. They don't care if they're prohibited from having a firearm in the first place. And none of that is going to stop anybody else. This is the same thing. It uh, Already the lefties are saying, oh, it will be the end of democracy. It uh, It's a blow against democracy. We cannot let him do that. And I don't think that the Twitter board was going to let um, Mr. Musk go ahead and basically take over the company outright because they were reminded you have a fiduciary duty to accept an offer that is very much in the uh, stockholders uh, best interest and Elon Musk pointed out and I thought this is I mean he he's playing 3d chess to their bare bare checkers in that he knew that and he also put out in a tweet saying hey these guys don't any don't own any stock at all, so their purposes are at odds with the stockholders. I don't, and with the lure of lots of lawsuits being filed against the uh, the directors, which could have become personal. Yeah, they gave up and said, "Yep, here, give me a check." Yeah, I mean it's a big one. It's a very big one. It's over forty six what billion dollars or something. That's a lot. That's a lot of money, and and it's a lot of money for something that kind of doesn't really exist. You know, it's it's just vaporware. I mean, Twitter's out there in the universe, and lots of people use it, and I'm still on it. And we've been I've been putting content up there anyway, just because people kept asking me, well, "Why don't you use Twitter? Why don't you use Twitter?" And then I started hearing rumors of this Elon Musk thing, and I'm like, well, I guess I'll use Twitter and see what happens, you know? Mm. Uh, if it gets worse, what I actually said was, I'm going to use Twitter till they kick me off. That was my plan. I said, I'm not going to quit. They're going to have to fire me. So that was my deal, and it's been uh, maybe a month since I started using it again, and now it doesn't look like I'm going to have to worry about that. But uh, the next part of this, of course, is that the media's freaking out. Everybody's losing their mind. They're all talking about the democracy, as you pointed out. And, of course, we live in a constitutional republic, so screw you. Um, and uh, now, you know, there's talk about the people who work at Twitter. We've heard stories of them acting like teachers who aren't allowed to talk about sex to little kids. They're going to quit. Oh, great. Go ahead. <laughs> See ya. Don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out. There's plenty of people who would love to work at Twitter if it wasn't a liberal shithole. Yeah, we can say that. This will be on the internet rather than on broadcast TV. I can still, and I can post edit it out. But it's yes, true. That's it's true. A, it's a crap hole. It's a, it's a, it's, it's that place, you know? Well, and, I made, um, I told the most esteemed wife, TMEW, that I probably will be getting back on Twitter, if nothing more than to go, you know, as my six-year-old grandson goes, who I taught this to, na-na-na-na-boo-boo. <laughs> <laughs> well, know? you do, you do, you should. 
if, if this is, really happens and the FEC doesn't step on it and somebody doesn't screw it up, you should get back on there because it's just lots of fun. Because if you're not familiar with what Skip does on Twitter, <laughs> he just talks about what we talk about every single day. I mean, he shares the same links, the same content, the same sorts of topics, the same subjects, you know, liberty, freedom, school choice, gun rights, free speech. And when you walk around saying things like that, sooner or later, some crazy liberal is going to come over and try to crap on your parade. And the minute they do, Skip's like, oh, goody. And well, he, 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 his mission is to make them like the most famous person on Twitter. <laughs> well, uh, generally, I didn't use Twitter all that much. In the very beginning, I was in the top 100 conservatives of Twitter. Uh, but then I got ended, ended up doing lots of other stuff. But I do use Twitter when a big event comes up, like the presidential debates or a debate here in New Hampshire. And then it's sort of like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I turn into Mr. Snark. And I look for absolutely every single opportunity, I don't care which one it is, but to make sport of people, just to puncture their sanctimonious, pusillanimous uh speeches and bring it down to the level that well it deserves i started to do that on gab and oh you know that old joke of oh comet to hit the world tomorrow women and children hurt the worst um i think there's going to be some serious ramifications with some of the alternative social media that sprung up because of twitter because of facebook uh going so far left um Gab is probably going to take a hit. Parler is probably going to take a hit. Uh, even Gitter. And, you know, full disclosure, we have a lifetime membership to Gab because of Gab TV. Um, but, you we're know, not who, leaving any of these platforms, oh, by no, the way. We're going no. to hang out. And uh, in a, a little bit, I'll be going through the list. But I have a couple of uh, reads for our breaks, which uh, we still have a couple minutes. But, um, yeah. yeah, we're not going to change that. We're going to keep adding yeah. content. But, but the worst is what just happened over the last couple of days where Truth Social, President uh, Trump basically signed an agreement with Rumble TV, with all of their servers, to run Truth Social on it. And now he's saying he won't go back to Twitter. What's the over-under that he won't be able to resist the lure of going, na-na-na-na-boo-boo, to all those millions of liberals who wanted him kicked off in the first place. It'll sort of be like when um, when George Bush uh, stepped away from the presidency and Obama took over, and you always saw those little signs of Bush's head slightly canted to the right and waving, and the cartoon was, Miss Me Yet? <sighs> I, I, that's a good question. I don't know if there's something about Twitter... Um, and I don't know if it's because it was the first of its kind or just because of the way it's kind of embedded itself in the culture. The people, it's one of the reasons I didn't want to leave it just yet. I was, I would be fine if they kicked me off. I, I, that'd be fine. But, um, kind of like they pretty much kicked us off of Facebook, even though we're still technically there, we just don't update it. But it's just, it's Twitter, you know, and it just, it, I don't know else how to explain it. Well, look at it from a technical standpoint. Both Twitter, um, Facebook, and all the rest of the social media 
are basically micro blogs for those who can't program or don't want to bother. I mean, we put a lot of time and effort into Granite Rock. We are independent. If you want to go visit other blog sites, we actually say, you know, we're linking to everything in our stories so you can go check it out for yourself. Versus Twitter and Facebook, they want to keep you into their own little world and universe and never let you go. Uh, they want to be those centralized versions that say, hey, we've captured you forever. We say, <laughs> hey, come and visit. And if you like us, let us know. Um, so who knows what's going to happen if, if everything's going to go open, as Musk says. I mean, it's going to be kind of cool to see all of a sudden who, how did they shadow ban? And, and, you know, don't forget, Granite Rock got shadow banned because I used to put out a lot of tweets during those debates and I never saw them return. Yeah, and so that's a big thing. There's that rumor about the government backstopping Twitter's servers. Um, we'll get all that cleared up, whether you believe it or not. And uh, that's a completely different story for another time, I think. We're going to jump into a quick read here for a break, and then we're going to come back and broach a new subject. So here I go with my read. And I think my daughter's home because the dog's barking. <laughs> Yes, don't you just love this distributed studio? I'm waiting yes. for my two pups to just leap at the door. I'm, I'm in the basement, and I can hear. The minute people start stomping upstairs, you'll hear it. It'll be great. All right, this segment of Grok Talk is brought to you by GraniteGrok.com, New Hampshire's leading political blog site. Please be sure to like, follow, or subscribe on YouTube, Gab, Gab TV, Minds, MeWe, Getter, Codius, or you can follow the real NH Steve, that's the real NH Steve, on Twitter, and hopefully pretty soon, Mr. Murphy. If you'd like to sponsor a segment on Grok Talk, please email steve at granitegrok.com. All right, let's get into the next segment. You had a ton of stuff that you sent me for us to uh, talk about, and I didn't have a chance to even begin to scratch the surface on any of it. But here's how this works around here, ladies and gentlemen. Somebody's going to say something. Mr. Murphy, in this case, is going to bring up a topic, and we're just going to talk about it. That's oh, how it me, goes. You want me to br take one of my topics? Take one of your topics and I let's run with it. I thought you were going to go with – actually, I want to talk about – your topic, which was the Pappas and Hass and flip-flop on the border and how it's driving the New Ham the rest of the New Hampshire Democrats, especially the Latinx, you know, they, unless you're politically active, the Latinos want to be called Latinos, not Latinx. See, that's the white man telling them how to call themselves. <laughs> A white liberal, actually. Yeah, yes, so, yes. Yeah. So for somebody, you know, Hassan and Pappas, who were all against what President Trump were trying to do at the uh, border wall. Now they've fallen in love with it because, as we always see, the Democrats pivot way to the center when they know that they're in desperate trouble. And now it's like in my mind's eye, I'm seeing uh, Senator Hassan holding on to one of those steel pillars, holding it as affectionately as she would her grandson. <laughs> How's that for an image? That's an excellent image. You know, for people who don't understand it, uh, Maggie Hassan and Chris Pappas are not strong candidates. Um, there's a great deal of suspicion about how Chris Pappas managed to win re-election in 2020. But then again, there's a lot of suspicion about how a lot of people managed to win things in 2020. But even if you believe nothing ludicrous or crazy happened, Chris Pappas is a weak candidate, and so is Maggie Hassan. And they both are up for re-election, and so the – 
national party and the state party are like, you have got to do whatever you can to stay in office. So one of the things they did was they went right on immigration. Now, the fun part about that isn't just that it's typical, it's a flip-flop, it's completely ridiculous, because the minute they get elected, they're going to go right back to the other side, is that uh, this uh, rep, whose name is not in front of me at the moment, and I apologize to her for not having it here, but um, she uh, was recorded, and she went she went national um, because she got on the House floor. She's a New Hampshire state rep, and she basically excoriated her own party and... Uh, Congressman Pappas and Senator Hassan, or Hassan, if you prefer, um, for basically she's embarrassed. She's discouraged. She's very unhappy about what the party has done. And what has the party done? Well, according to people in the know, the uh, leaders of the state Democrat Party in New Hampshire have been pressuring black and brown activists to remain silent on this flip by Chris Pappas and Maggie Hassan, which is just so typical. It's so cl- I mean, how many times have you and I, Skip, pointed out to people that Democrats are frauds, that they just say what they need to say and that they treat everybody the way they feel like they need to to get their votes. And the minute you step off their reservation or the minute you go the wrong way or the minute they don't need you anymore, they treat you like garbage. Yeah. And the name that you were looking for was uh, New Hampshire State Rep. Maria Perez, Democrat from Milford. And she basically... I mean, and Eva Castillo, who was also a state rep, um, you know, the Latinos resigned from the uh, Latino caucus in the New Hampshire Democrat Party. Yeah, they extracted the caucus from the Democrat Party Executive Committee. Is that right? I believe that's what they did. Yep. And, you know, I look at what Ray Buckley's go must be going through, pulling out whatever hair is left at this point, um, because he's got, you know, what? Two months ago, we started to see the Democrats all say, we're tired of being under a monarchy or an absolute dictatorship and telling us how to do things, who's going to run, you know, doing everything and micromanaging their people. And I looked at that and going, and that's what they want to do to us as an entirety. And it's got to be bad when their own party is starting and say, enough, what, three, three of the former Democrat reps went independent? At least two, maybe three. But you're right. When you look at what they, what Pappas and Hassan have done, um, anybody who follows politics knows how bad this really is. The problem is, is how do we get to the people who don't follow politics? Let's face it. We are part of the activist class here in New Hampshire. We live, breathe, and, well, I'm not dead yet, but, you know, die about this stuff. Um, so we know intimately what's going on. Most people, eh, not so much. So the question will be, what is the mainstream media going to make of this? The union leader had a perfect opportunity to kind of salvage its own its old conservative roots and point out the hypocrisy there. New Hampshire Journal did. Uh, but as far as I could tell, they said she was at the border. They said that, well, there seems to be some trouble within the party, but they didn't go for the throat, which tells you more about the union leader than it did about uh, Maggie Hassan. That's true. And, of course, there are other dynamics at play here. For example, um, the state reps who walked away on this particular issue um, are going to continue to vote Democrat on every other issue, and the Democrat Party knows it. 
they absolutely know that these people aren't just they're not going to walk away. I, I just don't see it happening. Um, you're talking about liberal uh, Latinas in the state party. I, they're Democrats, and, and this one particular issue isn't going to define everything else they do. So it's not like we've gained any ground, but like you said, there's a lot of hypocrisy here. The Democrat Party does this on every issue to everybody, and it's not just the border. And so not only do regular people not necessarily see how this works, and that's one of the reasons why we kick this dead donkey as often as we can, people within the Democrat Party don't, which is what really made the walkaway movement such an impressive thing. And, you know, people like Barry Weiss and, you know, uh, a number of different people who've come into contact with the cancel culture or rubbed up against the Democrat Party the wrong way only to discover that they were the ones who were going to get shocked and they were just completely dumbfounded and surprised at how poorly they were treated and about how well received they were by the other side, the people they were supposed to hate and despise and, and who were evil and, and, and wretched and in fact are the opposite of everything the Democrats say, which is typical because just about everything a Democrat says they're going to do means the opposite of what they say. Yeah, and that would include you and I. I'm such a nice guy when you get to know me. Not not to some of my Democrat opponents. However, that said, they they have to be worried because not so much here in mostly lily white 97% or 95% white uh, New Hampshire, which is another problem giving the New Hampshire Democrat Party uh, indigestion, which is the first in the nation primary stuff. And we ought to t- talk about that, and we didn't put it on the list. We can do it but, in the next segment. But the... The Latinos and the the blacks are all walking away. Every week I see a, a larger and lar- or a lesser and lesser uh, percentage of those folks still in the Democrat uh, camp when I look at the polls. And they must be going, oh, my gosh. And I'm going, yes, red tsunami. Yeah, all right, let's not. As uh, Glenn Reynolds of Instapundit says, don't get cocky. There's still a lot of work to do and you got to go do it. But, you know, if they lose even more of a percentage than what President Trump got, those the Democrat Party is in deep sneakers over the next elections. You know, they used to say uh, demographics was destiny. Well, you know, (laughs) you put in the price of gas, put in the price of food, you put in the price of this, that and the other thing. And sooner or later, those demographics are going to move away. Yeah, and for all the crying and whining we get from the rhinos and the never-Trumpers about Donald Trump, he actually made the big tent bigger. I mean, he made it a lot bigger. He brought in, not just for one election, but he brought in blue-collar Democrats. He attracted unions. He attracted cops. He attracted steelworkers and pipeline workers and gas fitters and all these people who got work because when he was president, he made sure there was work for them to do. And now they don't have work because of Democrats and their fake pretend climate scare. And they don't really care what the costs are. And and they think that I'm pretty sure they feel convinced that they can win presidential elections ad infinitum. And maybe they've come up with a way to steal elections indefinitely, and perhaps they have, but they still have to steal Congress every single election. And if you're stealing elections and you're only doing it in key states, say the seven or 
five or six or however many there was that made a difference in 2020, um, that's not going to win you enough seats in Congress. And the more you do it, the worse you look, especially when the guy that you cheated for, if in fact we cheated or he cheated or they cheated, is Joe Biden or anybody like him. And when you look at the bench for the Democrats, Kamala Harris, she's worse than <laughs> Biden. Okay, the only reason Biden is still president is because Kamala is the vice president, and I think honestly, Joe's wife Jill had a lot to do with that because I think she saw Joe and she saw the vice presidency and she saw the Democrat Party and she said, "I have to convince somebody to pick a vice president who's worse than Joe, and then Joe will get to keep his job." Mission accomplished. And so I, think, I think that's what happened. But anyway. I mean, look at all the people who ran in the last election. Tulsi Gabbard's the only one who has a brain cell to rub between her, and she's still a Democrat. But at least she likes America enough to know about things like border security and, and national defense and things like that. I wouldn't vote for her but because she's bad on a lot of other stuff, but she's the best one, and they don't like her. No, they don't, which is a good reason for us to at least smile at her. Um, I wouldn't call her a blue dog Democrat, uh, but um, like I used to call Dennis Kucinich. He was a way out loon, but you know, he was an honest one. Same thing with Bernie Sanders. Never vote for him. We'll do everything I can to foil his policies, but he stays true to what he believes with the exception of... He used to say higher taxes on millionaires and billionaires until he became a millionaire after selling his books and now owns three homes. So maybe I shouldn't keep him in that honest state of being. Whereas Kucinich, I will. Uh, I know a few Democrats who are, are true to what they are, haven't gone left. They love America, as you said, and all the rest of it. They just want to spend a lot more on on the welfare state than what I would. But pretty much in a lot of cases... You know, a Joe Manchin, he's a blue dog Democrat. Cinema uh, out of Nevada, uh, same thing. And just giving them fits and starts. Uh, you know, I'd be willing to trade a couple of our rhinos for for those two. I could put up, you know, I bet you they vote more in line with what we would have in stopping the really bad Democrat stuff than some of our rhinos do. Even here in New Hampshire, are you listening, Mr. Deshays up in Wolfboro, who has combined scores in the low 50s as a uh, Republican? Yeah, we... um... Yes, we will name drop as we go and do these things. Oh, absolutely. No, we have no... That's what we do. We absolutely do that. (coughs) Excuse me. Gesundheit. Thank you. Um, we don't have a problem with that, and I think you're right. I think the Democrats have another difficult situation on their hands. Um, locally, it's hard to tell. You know, you got to get the turnout, and uh, a federal election drives turnout. Um, you know, while uh, midterms will drive turnout, not as much as a presidential election, but this year could be different. I mean, there's a lot going on. The economy's pretty lousy. Prices are going up. Food plants are starting on fire and having planes land on them and all kinds of crazy stuff's going on in the world. And things aren't getting cheaper. And, you know, everybody talks about kitchen table issues. Democrats love to use the word kitchen table issues. The problem is, is their kitchen table is 40 feet long and you're at the far end of it and they're not bringing anything down to your end so you're kind of stuck on your own and they don't care they really don't care and if you complain and they say well we'll just print some more money all that does is make your money worthless they're really just making things worse for you and that's like 
that should be on a poster or a bumper sticker. That's what the Democrat Party does. It seems very deliberate. And, you know, to say, well, geez, inflation's really bad. Let's blame Putin for it. And my response to that was, you guys are so incompetent that one guy from a second world country in demographic decline can completely control the American economy and you can't stop him? You're idiots. Yeah, it. Uh, if you're not part of the Democrat identity group politics totem pole, and you never know, even I'm if, not. yeah, and even <laughs> if you were, you never know where you'd land from one minute to the next because it's totally changing all the time. Uh, that forty foot table, yeah, you're right. We, you and I, would not be at the top end of that uh, that table or the totem pole unless they want to throw darts at us. Uh, we wouldn't even be in the room unless they were lynching us. Well, you notice the shirt that I have on. Yes, yes. We, you know, we, will, we will not, not comply. comply. Kind of backwards. And I can actually read it. Oh, oh it well, it's good. backwards for me. And, oh, yeah. by the way, you know, go buy your AR-15s because pretty soon Sig Sauer will have you changing and going after one of their new M- MCXs because that's what they just sold $6.8 billion to re-equip the Army and the Marines with uh, their new uh, gun, uh, with their new pistol and rifle. Uh, no, rifle and machine uh, machine gun. That came out in the last couple of days. 6.8 mil. Oh, good deal. Yeah. So anyways, 6. I digress. 6.8 mil, that's, that's small change. That's not very much money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It was six point well, eight billion I mean, for a six point eight millimeter round. Oh, there we go. Billion. Okay. See, I thought you said million, uh, and I was like confused for a second because that's like money Nancy Pelosi finds in her sofa. So, or, or um, stuffed in with the Baskin and Robbins in her twenty five thousand dollar freezer. Thirty thirty thousand dollar twin fridges. Yes. Okay. Great. We're gonna move into our next segment in a second. Being a premier digital destination in northern New England makes GraniteRock.com a great place to get more for your advertising dollar. You'll also be supporting free speech instead of the journalism of paid reporters and an agenda-driven corporate media that are struggling to compete with us online. So promote your events, candidates, or your small or large business where thousands of American-loving patriots and a handful of liberal trolls across New England will see it. To learn more about how to advertise on GraniteRock.com, please email steve at GraniteRock.com. That's steve at GraniteRock.com. G-R-O-K. G-R-O-K dot com. Now now I sound like Liz from Life with Liz. Liz. Be nice. I'm stuck. I got my lips stuck. Um, all right, so where do we want to go next? Ah. We can talk about anything you like. Yeah, Steve asked for two topics between uh, Mike Rogers and I. I sent him eight all by myself. So let me go to the the next to last one, which I thought was nice. Uh, the RNC decided to withdraw from the Presidential Commission for Debates. And my only retort, right, you know, my first retort was, what the heck took you so long? <laughs> really, you know, how many times have our presidential candidates from the Republican Party or from the right side of the aisle, because there was a number of years I refused to be a, a Republican in name, mostly because of Jeb Bradley and uh, New Hampshire State Rep. LeChance bringing expanded Medicaid to New Hampshire, making government grow larger and more expensive. Um, but anyways, 
Um, how many times, you know, look at what they did to Romney. Look what they did to McCain. Look at what they do to all of them. When they always bring in a leftist operative like Georgie Stephanopoulos. Remember when he asked the question about um, contraceptive? And all of the Republicans are going, where the heck did that come from? That was a coordinated attack because that was, oh, what was her name? Something Fluck, Fluke. Oh, Sandra Fluke. Yes, because then they started running. I mean, they made a whole issue out of a whole question. You cannot tell me that question had not been focus grouped, talked about ramifications thereof. And that political operative who was Clinton's wonder kind at the, at the White House, who tries to present himself as a journalist, basically shut every single Republican candidate for the RNC uh, nomination in a flash. They were all looking at each other going, what did he just say? Can you repeat the question, please? Who, 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 who wants to ban contraception? Who, who, who said that? And then Sandra Fluke, since you brought her up, she's, she's talking to Congress about how she can't afford contraception. There's pictures of her online, like in Spain with her boyfriend, right? So she can travel to Spain with her boyfriend, but she can't buy the pill, which is free just about everywhere already. Or a condom, <laughs> like, for that matter. Right, and they're not expensive. Oh, they might cost more now, but that's Democrats' fault. Yeah. Um, you know, it was just the silliest of arguments, and it was just to make a talking point to make Republicans look bad. And really, they all said, go to the store. The problem is the left wanted it for free. Now, it was already free in high schools and junior highs. Yes, I'm not going to go into the rest of that as to why. you can, t Readers and listeners, you can take that for what it's worth. But that's what all they wanted to do. They wanted to shift the burden on to lots of other people who probably didn't need it anymore or couldn't care. Well, it was like Obamacare forcing 80-year-old women to pay for abortion. Yes. Insurance. Abortion insurance when you can't get pregnant. Right, like the, the like the the sisters, uh, the nuns who had taken a vow of chastity and uh, yeah, little sisters poor. of the poor, That's or something right. like that. You got yeah. it. I mean, it's just one of those things that they do it very, very well, and the Republicans just harumph and you know, Twitter themselves, and they don't have an answer. But it certainly gave us a lot of blog fodder at the time, and how ridiculous it was. But they seem to have made hay with it. So They did, and so now we've gotten to where we are today, which was the RNC has decided, you know what, you people suck. You, you, you have no interest in, in actually having an honest, unbiased debate, so we're not going to play in your little pond anymore. That's right, and I think it's correct. And further, I don't think that any appeasement should happen from the RNC. I think the RNC should say, you know, we're not going to go with you. Let you put, you know, go ahead and put the empty seat in your national debate. We're going to organize our own because now there is sufficient new ways to reach our primary voters through social media, live streaming, and all of that. We, Newsmax. We don't need you. Now, now, what they ought to do, however, which the major uh, networks would never do, Steve, you and I should be the moderators. Can you imagine? <laughs> you know, I keep telling people, people think that we just uh, go after Democrats. 
I keep saying, I don't care if you're a Republican, a Democrat, an independent, a socialist, a greenie, uh, a libertarian, or any other type of letter that you can think of. We are equal opportunity abusers, and we probably know a whole lot more on the issues than most people. So wouldn't we have fun? We'd be sitting there with these big grins on our faces just asking tons of questions, especially to rhinos. Well, I mean, yeah, and I mean, if we're talking about a, a Republican debate, sure. I mean, just look at the last 18 to 20 months. I mean, we've been talking about uh, Chris Anunu, his administration, people he's appointed, judges he's appointed, uh, his Department of Health and Human Services, or Department of Health and Inhuman Services, as I prefer to call it, and um, and a lot of people who support him by default simply because he's the governor. And all the things that he's done, uh, good and bad. I mean, we've said good things about Chris. We've said a lot of good things about Chris. But the entire COVID thing, the lockdowns, the all of it. And then, you know, he's gotten – he's made some mistakes. Um, you know, when a protester stepped on his lawn and he called it, you know, this gun-toting guy invading his – you know, stop. Just stop. And then he even – cancel his outdoor inauguration because he was afraid he said he was afraid uh, of all these gun rights people and and it's like give me a break you know and it's stuff like that from a guy who's otherwise good on guns i mean you put a gun bill in front of him he's gonna sign it but then he does this crap and he's just kind of started wandering down this path you know this sununu path and so there's lots of Republicans. Whenever we go to speak to Republicans, I have to preface things by, by making sure they understand that I'm not here for the party or your candidate. I'm here for the principles. I'm here for the founding principles, constitutional principles. And where we agree, then we'll get along fine. And where we don't, we're just going to disagree. And I'm going to tell you why I disagree. And you're more than welcome to spend as much time as you want disagreeing with me, disagreeing. I'm fine with that. But it's not personal. It's you know this is a physical relationship. There's no emotion involved here. I'm just telling you what I think about what's going on, and you're disagreeing with me. And I'm taking the side of liberty for the most part, as far as I can tell. And uh, it doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat or an Independent or a Socialist or a Marxist or Bernie Sanders or you know Murkowski up there in Alaska or maybe you're the best senator there ever was. Um, you know we've had Bob Guide is a fine example. He's done some great things. And recently he's done some not so great things. So it's not, you know, we're not going to carry your water no matter what color it is. We're, we're, we're pretty particular about it and we base it on the exact same thing. You can go back all the way to 2006 when Skip started this thing and you're going to find the exact same principles driving the content the entire time. Yep. And as far as everything you just said, you know what I say about that? The as far as being a moderator for a presidential campaign, that was just us warming up in the on-deck circle. <laughs> Imagine what we do when we actually get to home home plate and start swinging that piece of wood around. Yeah, you'd have, I mean, and there's there are plenty of actual, excuse me, journalists in places like Newsmax and OANN and, you know, Red Right Daily, and there's tons of them. Federalist. I mean, there's... Federalist, there's a Daily Signal. There's a whole bunch of places you can go where you will find people. You can go uh, John Clark in our state to our left in Vermont who writes at True North Reports. He would be a great moderator. The guy's smart 
um, he's one of us. You know, there's so many people who could do it. I know. Uh, pro- I know one that would just drive everybody nuts. Kurt Schlechter from Town Hall. <laughs> Oh my lord! I would. I, I don't watch. I, I don't watch debates, but I would watch that debate. I would absolutely pay would money watch that. for that debate. That would be amazing. Yes, I, 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 I. We can't even talk about how he would conduct the debate. You know, but it would I, I would be, love to be able to quote him more often, but I can't. The whole, all of his columns are so great. You can't pick out just one little thing because that's what we do. We look at something what's, that somebody's written, and then we write our own post about it. I look at that and go. I can add nothing, but I can imagine him sitting at the microphone with a wink in his eyes, and you know he's about to uncork a uh, a voice hand grenade. Well, he's good. I mean, he's like he's like Mark Stein. He's real good at improv. He he can just it's just right there. The minute you say something, he's got a response, and so he writes like. Dennis Leary speaks. Dennis Leary. That's not the one I want. Anyway, he just rattles it out, and it just comes out, and it's just so cool. And just listening to him talk and reading his writing. So, yeah, that would have been amazing. Um, well, now he, I, he might have a shot. Oh, that's true. If the Republicans decide that they're really going to do their own and they're looking for some people. Um, and here's the question, though. Are, are the Is the RNC really going to commit to moderators who are actually going to ask difficult questions. I'm not so sure about that. I'm also not convinced that they would pick on people like you, like me, like uh, Kurt Schlechter, and a whole bunch of others, whether they are humorous, snarky, or really deep thinkers. Tucker Carlson. (laughs) Tucker and Kurt, what a show that would be. (laughs) That's my debate wish. I've just had a dream, and that's my dream. I want to see a debate. I don't care who the who who the candidates are. I just want Kurt. I want Tucker to be the moderators. <laughs> Excuse me. Well, if I was going to be the moderator, though, I would say put that board in front of me because if you're going off on a tangent and not answering my question, I'm going to mute you and go to the next one and go to the next one and go to the next one, and then. I want them to all go after each other. Like you said earlier, Tulsi Gabbard went after uh, Kamala Toes Up and just literally shivved her right between the ribs. And that was in an off moment. I think seeing how well these candidates go after each other is far more exciting than any moderator. That would include even us. Well, they are professionals, Technically speaking, I mean, politicians are good at that sort of thing. No, and if not they're really. Not, not some. No, <laughs> uh, I mean, we, we've talked to a lot of people. Go, Jeb. Yeah, go, Jeb. Yeah, go, Jeb. <laughs> we've talked to a lot, of, a lot of candidates, presidential candidates. I mean, this may surprise new listeners, but we've interviewed a lot of presidential candidates, U.S. Senate candidates, congressional candidates, governors, and people like, when I tell people this, like if the subject comes, I don't just come out and say it. I don't even usually talk about that stuff. But people will say, have you heard of so-and-so? And I'm like, yeah, I think I interviewed him. And they're like, what? And and I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's just kind of a thing I do once in a while. We'll, we'll just, you know, go to these events and we'll talk to people. And then the conversation leads to, well, who else have you talked to? And I'm like, I don't remember. You know, it's a lot of people. And, you know, you remember you remember some of the bigger names, Ted Cruz. We've interviewed him a couple times. A few times. As an example. He called us from an airport waiting for a plane. He thought we were important enough to talk to. Yeah, so I mean, 
Doug and I even interviewed now President Biden. Oh, back when he was uh, running in the uh, second time. The second time. The first time he got eliminated because he got caught plagiarizing that British uh, uh, politician in Parliament, and so he scurried away. But then he came back and he did absolutely nothing. You got 4% of the vote. Now you can actually have credible accusations of rape against you and still get elected president if you're a Democrat. So anyway, we're going to take another really, really short break. I'm going to do a really quick read here, and then we're going to go into our final segment. And Lord knows where that's going to go because I have no idea. That's just how we do things around here. As a reminder, GraniteRock.com will be holding its first Grok Meet of 2022. The date is May 14th from 6 to 8 p.m. at the Area 23 Pub in Concord, New Hampshire. For details, visit GraniteRock.com and click on the Grok Meetup ad in the right sidebar. It should be on every single page of the website. The gathering is a chance for authors and readers to eat, drink, and mingle. That's May 14th at the Area 23 Pub in Concord, New Hampshire. Details are available at GraniteRock.com. Okay. So we're into our last segment. I got more. Maybe we can... I know. Well, you sent me eight things, and we only have four segments, and I had at least two or three myself. So maybe someday, if this starts to go really well, and it's not a lot of work, we'll go to two hours. But for now, okay. let's do an hour and see well, let's, if let, we can build an audience. Let's, let's do um, two real quick. First off, this should be rather easy. Today, both Finland and Sweden have agreed that they're going to apply to be NATO members and put in the paperwork the week of uh, May 22nd, both at the same time. This is after Putin threatened thermonuclear war against the two of them. So the question would be, will they pull it off? Will Putin do anything? And if he does, is he basically going to have all of NATO, which is still assembling a lot of weaponry in right around his border, coming in like the Golden Horde? That's a good question because if things go nuclear, then there's not going to be much left. No, no. But I- mean, even if it's tactical nukes, it's not good. But tactical, no, because th- tactical- they'll get an immediate response, and then it think everybody will just start pushing buttons, and then we won't be doing a podcast anymore. But um, it all, it's a good question. It all depends. If China comes in with Russia, what are they going to do? But it also means that Putin's already threatened both Finland and Sweden, who butt up against a good part of northern uh, Russian borders. You know, Finland already beat the Russians before, back in World War II. Uh, Sweden has always been neutral, but they're been changing their viewpoint over the last few years, given the bellicosity of Putin threatening everybody in that region. Is this going to... There's also the rumors that he's not doing too well. I did read one account that, you know, is he an end-stage syphilis because he seems to be acting so weirdly behind the scenes and making these kinds of things? You know, is it a good thing? Is it a case of they sign the paperwork in a day and then all of a sudden Putin comes across the border? What do we do? Because Article 5, which is the triggering mechanism in the NATO agreement... uh, do we now go to war? Because now, I think it, now you know, we have an ally. We're very friendly with them now, but not an official ally. Now it's like when we got attacked and the rest of the world uh, within NATO came to our aid in Afghanistan and uh, elsewhere. Well, I think that... Um, but that's supposed to be quick, real quick. <clears throat> well, real quick, who else... 
I mean, Vladimir Putin is the de facto authoritarian leader of Russia, but he's not the only guy doing things. So I guess the question has to be, if he is, this is in America, right? So we have a disabled president, and he's puttering along, and we're all hoping quietly and privately and maybe not so quietly and not so privately that if he decides one morning he's going to take the football and push some buttons, the people will stop him. So the question is, if on the other side, over there in Russia, who among Putin's closest allies does not want nuclear war, does not want to push the buttons and then have their entire existence and everything they know evaporated because they know that they're not going to win it. They're just going to destroy everything. Um, so that's the question I guess I have. If if they do join and it's obvious, I mean, it, it's a slap in the face and Putin's not the kind of guy who's going to just sit there and take that. He's going to do something. He has to do something. And, um, you know, Ukraine's not going the way he planned it. Um, what happens behind Putin, I guess, is what I want to know. Who, and I don't know anything about Russia. I really haven't paid much attention to it beyond the fact that it's what it always was. It's just not the USSR anymore. And um, and how's that going to work? I mean, who else? There's literally millions of Russians who don't want that. And there are people in positions of power who don't want it. But how much influence do they have and how would they stop him if they could? Yeah. All right. Well, let me roll into something that's a little bit uh, nicer. Oh, you just froze. Are you there? Yes, your face. You're, you're moving again. Go ahead. Um, this I thought was kind of cool from a techie standpoint. SpaceX, which is owned by the man of the day, probably the man of the week, Elon Musk, uh, shut down a Russian electromagnetic warfare. Man of the year. Man of the year. Man of the year. Shut down <laughs> he a, might be man of the year. Um, electromagnetic warfare attack in Ukraine last month, and the pe- Pentagon is taking notes. Basically... Uh, Russia wanted to take out the internet. You know, that's one of the things that you do in war, take out the comms communication systems in your opponent. And they were certainly doing that. And then Zelensky asked Elon Musk, hey, can you send some of those uh, space links? Starlinks over. Space links? Starlink? Either way. And within two days, they had 3,500 of the terminals already deployed. Uh, Even ordinary amateur... uh, astronomers were saying, hey, we're looking at all of these birds gathering over Ukraine. And presto, you know, instant internet and pretty high speed is from what I can tell. And, you know, after a couple of days, uh, Starlink folks just uh, started to figure out that the Russians were trying to jam everything. And within one day, they got rid of the threat, according to this popular mechanics article that I had that I sent to you they only had to change one line of code now think about the the amount of thought that they probably put in ahead of time to prevent that from happening it already came out a a month or so ago that they got rid of the necessity of using ground link terminals all over the world because most birds like that you send something up and then it comes down and you have to have the terrestrial ground station to be able to pick up that signal well if you jam the terminal uh, on the on ground it's all gone except now the starlink birds are all using laser communication so they're basically creating a mesh network in low earth or orbit 
so that if their particular ground station is blocked, they just pass it off to the next bird, to the next bird, to the next bird until they get to a friendly one. And then everything continues as possible. Latency goes up a little bit, you know, the amount of time between you send something, you get a response back, but it's still there. And the Pentagon's going, it's a good thing he's an American now, isn't it? I did read that, and I think it was what was fascinating. And of course, and this is just, we'll probably post, Skip will post the link this week in a story probably. But um, you have to read it because it, you know, we're talking about generals in the Pentagon and experts in the Pentagon and people who are always thinking about what do we do about EM attacks and electromagnetic this and that and how quickly we can respond. And the military's ability to respond is very slow and tedious. It would take a very long time. And they could never do what Elon Musk has done in a day adjusting one line of code. So you get the difference between this guy, Mr. Musk, did all this on his own. He just did it. He, he, he brought the experts together, actual experts, not government bureaucrats, and they came up with a system, and they tested and failed it and tested and failed it and got it to work and did it and sent it into orbit, and they wrote the code, and they made it as bulletproof as they could, and it works, right? And so now it's up there, and it's doing its thing, and you can, you can actually – sign up for it i think i think it's starlink yes, it i think you can go to starlink.com and you can sign up for this internet service and it's these satellites right and uh and he's still building them and they're still launching them and they're still doing what they're doing and it would take the government just to process the idea to make the change way way longer before you even got to the point where they could make an adjustment to equipment so it's pretty and the Everything in the government works that way, ladies and gentlemen. And the bigger they make it, the longer it takes. Well, the, the cool thing was is that, you know, when confronted, the, the, our, our space military is saying, how do we protect our birds and how long would it take to replace the birds that both the Russians and the Chinese might shoot down? And we know that some of these birds take a long, long time to fix. Well... Um, when somebody asked Elon Musk, well, what if they came after your satellites? He just said, let them. He already has a backlog of satellites sitting in several warehouses that he could just go and get. He's got enough rockets that even if they shot the rockets down, you know, he pioneered the use of reusable rockets to the point where how often do you see a, a rocket launch by SpaceX, now making major news. It's become humdrum and ordinary, and some of the rockets have gone up 10 times, 11 times. It's brought. I've got a tab for a, a later data point showing how much he has brought the cost of getting birds up into space down to where it's not much more than having a FedEx package flown across the nation on a per-pound basis. Uh, it's just unimaginable and yeah it's it's a good thing he likes america and free speech uh, because he probably likes a whole lot of the other constitutional values and liberties as i would categorize him as an eccentric libertarian because i don't know if he's really a libertarian <laughs> or not but he, he certainly talks a lot of the game um he has been leaning that way he has been and i think it's refreshing and i know a lot of republicans don't like libertarians well too bad um yeah, no, I, I think they're fine. We disagree on a few things here and there. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not too happy with the Keen kitties, but, you know, 
though they aren't libertarians, they're anarchists, but I dive, digress here. But you look at that. They, they short-circuited the Russians to come back to the beginning of the story with changing one line of code. Now, I have to give props to the programmer who said, oh, I know where that is in probably millions upon millions of lines of code. You know, that's where you become an expert. And I used to do that going around the country because when something broke, I knew exactly where, quote unquote, if you had this, the equivalent is if you had this big, you know, several football fields uh, piece of equipment, um, football field long piece of equipment, and it wasn't working right. And you just go around, tap, 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 tap. And then this one little spot, you kick it. And all of a sudden it roars to life and the plant's now functional. That's what I used to get paid for doing with software, uh, for my little piece of the software system. Um, that programmer ought to get a uh, it's um, Congressional Medal of Honor is for the military, but what is it for the presidential one? You know, that, well, that's what that programmer should get that award because that is really difficult to go snap with your fingertips. I know what to do. Here, let me change you know, four or five things around that code and off it goes again. And then deploy well, we're going to need a different president for that. I don't think you're going to get this one to do it. Although I did read online that, you know, somebody suggested, uh, why don't you just put Biden's resignation in front of him? He signs everything you stick in front of him and then we'd be all done. And we But then you get Kamala. And then after that, you we get are, Pelosi. I know, I know. We're, we're, out of, we're out of time. So we're going to wrap it up. And look forward to next week when Mike will be able to join us. We're going to start bringing guests onto the program, hopefully in the hour that we're actually recording and not separately. But we can do that. We have the technology. So, Skip, thanks for taking an hour out of your day to spend some time with us and and our lovely listeners. And uh, thanks to everyone for listening to Grok Talk. Very good. Thank you very much.